good morning and thank you for joining me for another episode of Touring with God. My name is Tony with an I and I am your host. And today our topic is there is only one flock. But before we get into the word, as always, we need to go before our Heavenly Father with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this day, we just want to thank you, Father God, for your grace. We want to thank you for your love. We want to thank you for your forgiveness. We want to thank you, Father God, that you see us beyond all our faults and you still supply every need. We want to thank you that you are a good father, that you are passionate for us, that your love for us is so great that you sent Jesus to die, that until this day, the power of the blood of Calvary still speaks truth over the lives of your people. We ask you now, Father God, for forgiveness of every sin and we choose to forgive those who have sinned against us. We ask right now that your will be done here on earth as it is already in heaven. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Guys, thank you once again for joining me for another episode of Touring with God. And I am fired up for today's word. To be honest with you, I'm always fired up for today's word, but I'm just really excited today. So today we're going to be talking about the topic, there is only one flock. Now we're going to start off by reading John 10 verse 14 to 16. And it reads, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. We're going to read one more time. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. So the original sheep we already know are the Jews. But then Jesus goes here to say, I have other sheep that are not of this flock. So there are other sheep who do not belong to the Jewish culture. There are other sheep that are not Jews. And we're going to dig even deeper to see who these other sheep are. He says, I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. This is one of the significant sentences here. This other flock of sheep that he has, this other fold of sheep that he has, how we can recognize them is that they listen to his voice. They are obedient to the word of the almighty God. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now, today we're really going to be focusing on Acts 10, and we're going to read this story 
I actually just wanted to read bits and portions of the story, but the story is so good that I'm going to ask you to sit with me today. This is your scripture reading for today, okay? Well, no, you should go and read your Bible. But we're going to read through all of Acts 10, okay? It's very interesting. Love it. Let's get to it. Now at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian Regiment, a devout man and one who, along with his entire household, feared God. He made many charitable donations to the Jewish people and prayed to God always. Now, before we go forward, I just want to point out a few things about Cornelius here. Cornelius was a man of influence in his home. We see here where it says Cornelius and his entire household feared God. So we can look at Cornelius here and we will recognize that it was saying basically, as for me and my household, we choose the Lord God Almighty. That is what was happening here with Cornelius and his entire household followed exactly what it was that Cornelius was doing in this time. Now you have to recognize that these people in this time were worshiping many gods. They worship many idols. These are lowercase g's, not the big almighty God, not the great I am. They were worshiping idols, false gods, but Cornelius chose to worship the Lord God Almighty. We also see here that it says he made many charitable donations to the Jewish people. Now, a few weeks ago, we read that scripture that told us that when we give to the one that is hungry, when we feed the one that is hungry, when we clothe the one that is naked, when we visit the people that are in prison, when we do these acts of kindness and of love. We are a representation of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and we are giving back to the Almighty God. We are not just giving to these people, but we are giving back to the Lord God Almighty himself. We also see here that the word says he prayed to God always. He was just crossing every T and dotting every I. The word of God tells us that we are to pray without ceasing. And we see that even here in the way they describe Cornelius, that he was a man who prayed to God always. Now we're at verse three. About the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m. of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had come to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius was frightened and stared intently at him and said, What is it, Lord? And the angel said to him, Your prayers and gifts of charity have ascended as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa and have them call for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter, and invite him here. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Now, let me tell you, if he wasn't sure where Peter was before, this angel gave him some specific instructions. This is how the spirit of God moves very often in our lives. He does not leave us confused. He told him exactly where it was that he needed to go find Simon Peter. Now we're at verse seven. When the angel who was speaking to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among his own personal attendants, and after explaining everything to them, send them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their way and were approaching the city, 
Peter went up on the roof of the house about the sixth hour, which is noon, to pray, when he became hungry and wanted something to eat. While the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance, and he saw the sky opened up, and an object like a great sheet descending, lowered by its four corners to the earth, and it contained all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the ear. A voice came to him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. But Peter said, uh, no, actually he didn't. Verse 14 said, but Peter said, not at all, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is uncommon, which is unholy or ceremonially unclean. And the voice came to him a second time, Peter, what God has cleansed and pronounced clean, no longer consider it common or unholy. Holy. Now, I also want to point out something here. Peter is saying to the Lord here, all these things that you have on the sheet, I don't eat this stuff. According to the word of God, which we will see in Leviticus 11, that's actually a part of your scripture reading for today. Leviticus 11, from the beginning all the way to the end, it talks a lot about the, the unclean food and the things that they should and should not eat. So when Peter says that these foods are considered ceremonially unclean, he is referring to the things that are spoken in Leviticus 11. Now, this happened three times, and then immediately the object was taken up into heaven. Now, once again, Peter sees these things that were once told to him were ceremonially unclean. You should not eat it. But God is saying that he's doing a new thing. He's done a new thing. And who he considers clean or what he considers clean, Peter has no right to now consider unclean or unholy. Verse 17. Now Peter was still perplexed and completely at a loss to what his vision could mean when the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked direction to Simon Peter's house, arrived at the gate. I'm sorry, having asked directions to Simon's house, arrived at the gate. They called out to ask whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. While Peter was thoughtfully considering the vision, the spirit, ooh, the spirit of God said to him, now listen, three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs and go with them without hesitating or doubting because I have sent them myself. Once again, guys, this is what obedience to the Holy Spirit looks like. It says here, this is verse 20, get up, go downstairs, go with them without hesitating or doubting. I just want to point out here that very often your obedience to the Holy Spirit will look just like this. It may sound like something that is not of the ordinary, something that you would not normally do. It may sound like, is this really God? But when we know the voice of our Heavenly Father and we know that the Word of God speaks truth, He would not instruct us in any lies or deception. Once we know that the Lord God is sending us to do 
something, obedience very often looks like moving without hesitation or doubting. Now we're going to go to verse 21. Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. For what reason have you come? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, well spoken of by all the Jewish people, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear what you have to say. So Peter invited them in and gave them lodging for the night. Now the next day, Peter got up and left with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went with him. On the following day, he and the others entered Caesarea. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Now, I just like Cornelius. I'm sorry. We're going to stop here for a second. Cornelius not only has influence over his household, but now he is calling all his relatives and he is bringing his friends in. This is a man truly who is influential for the kingdom of God. And as the body of Christ, this is how we should be. Cornelius wasn't selfish and thinking, oh, this is just for me and my household. He also sent and called his family and his close friends. So now we're at 25. When Peter arrived, Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter raised him up saying, stand up. I too am only a man. We're going to stop again. Another thing here that I want to point out, Peter is here to see Cornelius. The Bible tells us that Jesus did many wonders, signs and miracles. And Jesus said that greater works will we do as the body of Christ. Now I want us to start understanding that with the giftings that God has given us, when he is using you for his glory and his honor, do not ever become so confused in thinking that you are so great in what you are doing, that you forget that you are mere man. The power and authority that works in and through you is from the almighty God. We see Peter here saying to Cornelius, do not bow down to me. Do not think of me as higher than yourself. I am human just like you are. That is an example that we need to learn as we step forward as the body of Christ. Verse 27, as Peter talked with him, he entered the house and found a large group of people assembled. He said to them, You know that it is unlawful for a Jewish man to associate with or befriend or befriend a Gentile or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I am not to call anyone common or ceremonially unclean. Now, that story, I don't know if it rings a bell to anyone else here, But if we go back and take a look at a very familiar story for me, and I'm pretty sure for many of you, it is the story of the Samaritan woman and Jesus as seen in John 4 verse 9. And that says, the Samaritan woman said to him, that is Jesus, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria, 
for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So we see here once again, Jesus, even before Peter had this opportunity with Cornelius, had gone out and associated himself with the person that was considered uncommon or unholy. And we see several times throughout scripture where Jesus did this. But though the Samaritan woman thought, how could you want to talk to me? A Samaritan. Jews have no dealings with Samaritan, but he was Jesus Christ and already he was setting an example for us. So now we jump back into our story with Peter and Cornelius and we see that Peter is also saying to Cornelius that God has shown me, the Holy Spirit has showed me that whoever God calls clean, I have absolutely no business calling them unclean. Therefore, verse 29, when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. So I asked for what reason have you sent for me? Cornelius said, four days ago to this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour between three and 4 p.m. And a man dressed in bright, dazzling clothing suddenly stood before me and he said, Cornelius, your prior has been heard and your acts of charity have been remembered before God so that he is about to help you. Therefore, send word to Joppa and invite Simon, who is also called Peter, to come to you. He is staying at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once and you have been kind enough to come. Now, I thought this was hilarious when he said that. He said, you've been kind enough to come. The truth of the matter is, I don't think Peter really had much of a choice. For Peter was a servant of the Most High God and therefore obedient to the word of God. And so when the Holy Spirit or the angel instructed him, hey, it's time for you to get up and go. He didn't question. He got up. And he moved. But Cornelius, in all his sweet little innocence, said to him, I just want to thank you for being kind enough to actually come. And then we are all here present before God to listen to everything that you have been instructed by the Lord to say. We're at verse 34. Opening his mouth, Peter said, most certainly I understand now that God is not one to show partiality. Oh, Listen to this again. He opened his mouth. This is Peter. And he said, most certainly, I understand now that God is not one to show partiality to people as though Gentiles were excluded from God's blessings. But in every nation, the person who fears God and does what is right by seeking him is acceptable and welcomed by him. Once again, a familiar scripture for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever. There was not a color that was spoken of, a creed, a nationality, a language. It says that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then we see here that Peter points out clearly, God does not show 
partiality between the Jews and the Gentiles. Now we go to verse 36. You know the message which he sent to the sons of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know the things that have taken place throughout Judea, started in Galilee after the baptism preached by John, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with great power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. We are eyewitnesses to everything that he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem in particular. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him to life on the third day and caused him to be plainly seen. Not to all the people, but to the witnesses who were chosen and designated beforehand by God, that is, to us who ate and drank together with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people. Now the people we see here are both Jews and Gentiles and to solemnly testify that he is the one who has been appointed and ordained by God as judge of the living and of the dead. All the prophets testify about him that through his name, everyone who believes in him, whoever trusts and relies on him, accepting him as savior and Messiah, they receive forgiveness of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all who were listening to the message, confirming God's acceptance of Gentiles. All the circumcised believers who were with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them talking in unknown tongues and languages and exalting and magnifying and praising God. Then Peter said, can anyone refuse water for the people to be baptized since they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? Now, before we read that last verse, I want to get something very clear here. Peter and the disciples were baptized way before they had received the gift of the Holy Spirit where they were speaking in other tongues. So now we see here that God has flipped the script. Now, isn't it just like God to do the unexpected thing? Here are these people, the Gentiles, not considered the chosen ones, but here they are listening to the word of God. There is power and authority that comes in hearing the word word of God. And as he speaks the truth of the gospel, these people begin speaking in other languages. And Peter is like, wait a minute, hold up. Let's get this straight here. They just received the gift of the Holy Spirit and they haven't even been baptized. So then this simply means who are we to hold these people away from being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So we see verse 48 says, and he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they asked him to stay there for a few days days. Now, I also want to take a really quick look at Revelation 7 verse 9 to 10. After these things, I looked and this is what I saw. 
a vast multitude which no one could count, gathered from every nation, from all the tribes and peoples and languages of the earth, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, dressed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and in a loud voice they cried out, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb, or salvation is the Trinity's to give, and to God, the Trinity, we owe our deliverance. That is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we owe our deliverance. Now guys, we just read Acts 10. I love that story in Acts 10. But here in Revelation 7 verse 9 to 10, I want to point out once more, there will only be one flock. The word of God says here that there was a multitude which no one could count. They were gathered together from every nation, from every tribe, from every people, and from every language. We have a tendency to believe, and this is something I see so often in the body of Christ, that we are to be segregated. We have black churches, we have white churches, we have Hispanic churches, but let me just make it very clear to you. God is not a God that lies. He is a God of love. And so if you, as the body of Christ, have in your heart any hatred against a brother, and we say a brother or a sister because they are the children of the Most High God and so considered your brothers and your sisters, if you have anything on the inside of your heart that despises them because of the color of their skin or the language that they speak or where they come from, I would like to make it very clear right now. You need to be like Peter. You need to be amazed that these people are entering in here and now and then drop it and let it go fix that real quick and in a hurry it's okay that you're amazed for a second but then you need to let that go heaven is not a place of confusion god will not allow hatred into heaven he will not allow segregation into heaven there is one heaven there is one shepherd there is one sheep one flock we will not be separated as the body of christ but we will come together as one and in that time we are going to worship Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So my encouragement for you today is to start to love your brothers and your sisters in spite of their nationality, the language that they speak, the color of their skin. We are called to be different as the body of Christ and not to blend in with the rest of society or the rest of the world for our God is a God of love and as his children so are we. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this day, we just want to worship and adore you. We thank you, Abba Father, for your word that teaches us, Father God, that we are called to love each other. You ask us to love even our enemies. And so in this time, we ask you to cleanse our hearts and our minds, Father God, of every deception and of every lie that tells us that we are, whether greater than another brother or sister in Christ, or that we are the only chosen ones and there is no room for people because of their color or their nationality. Open our hearts and our mind, Father God, to love the way you did when you sent Jesus to die, that 
all may have an opportunity to salvation. We love you. We worship you. And we thank you. It is in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. Guys, thank you for joining me for another episode of Touring with God. And I will see you next week, Tuesday at 9 a.m. Please feel free to send me an email at touringwithgod at gmail.com if you need a Bible or if you have any questions or concerns, if there's something I can answer for you, please feel free to ask me. We can probably start growing together. I can learn as you're learning and then we'll just continue learning together. Feel free to send me an email. Visit us on TikTok and Instagram. Both are at Touring with God. And I will see you next week, Tuesday at 9 a.m. Bye.